Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This time on The Kindness Project, Pigs in Blankets Club, Satsuma Appreciation, and we've got part two of our interview with Mike Dixon, author of Our Generous Gene. Welcome to the early morning edition of The Kindness Project. How are you doing? I'm tired. You know what? As we record this, it's uh, start of December, okay, and life is busy at the minute, isn't it, for all of us? And so the only opportunity we had to record this was at 6.30 in the morning, and uh, I'm feeling it, to be honest, Charlotte, are you? Yup. But let me introduce you formally. Mm-hmm. I am joined by a girl who is so accident-prone, she'd injure herself even if she was covered in bubble wrap. It's Charlotte Dames. It's not true. Um, it is a bit true. And I'm joined by a man who doesn't think it's Christmas until December 1st. It's not. It's definitely no, not. No, Once you got all the other holidays out the way, then it's Christmas. Well, you know what? You know what I like? I like the fact that uh, Mum kept sneaking decorations in. Yeah. Um, slowly at the start of December, at the start of November, and just it might have even been the end of October. It might have been. Um, but the the pinnacle of that Christmas decoration. Um, uh, adding was when she put a giant headless reindeer on a giant bodiless reindeer on the side of the wall and as I walked in it sung lonely this Christmas to me that was a bit weird Stop. and that was in August um, uh, <laughs> no that was only last month <laughs> last month but now it is December yeah and we have got some awesome Christmas editions of the uh, of the kindness project coming up to churn out, we've got. <laughs> you know what? You know what's weird? Uh, I I love recording these for you, mm, right? Yeah. I love recording these for you. Doing it at seven o'clock in the morning feels a bit Too like much. hard work. Too much. <laughs> so, uh, I know. I know. So do I. But if if I don't deliver. Russell, my editor, and your editor, Russell, will just beat us with a stick. So um, I, we, we've oh, got to do it. We, we are doing this under <laughs> duress, listeners. <laughs> so so uh, can you let our listeners know where they can get in touch with us? Sure. After <laughs> you chuck your tea. <laughs> Have your tea first. Don't worry about that. Do you want a bit of breakfast? <laughs> While our listeners wait for you to turn yeah, to get in touch. Cheerios and a bowl. Yeah. Other, other um, foods. Oh, you know what question of the podcast we need to do in, your, in, the, in the future that we haven't done? Mm. What's your favourite b- breakfast? And, and ham toasted. Yeah, and as it's Christmas, I might go for pigs in blankets. Pigs in blankets for breakfast? Yeah, big time. It's two components of an English breakfast. So you could just wrap the sausages in the... But you kn- if you put the egg in there as well, True. just wrapped it all up together and put it between two slices of bread. Oh, don't even get me started. There, in, in, uh, in a lot of the um, lunch places, mm. right, in London, I'm walking past, and because it's Christmas now, they're advertising... Pigs under blanket sandwiches, right? Mm. 
That's a bacon and sausage sandwich. That is not a pig. That pig under blanket. You can't put a pig under blanket. That that means nothing. And I should know because I know my pigs in blankets. He eats them every year. So I'm sure it's the only thing he eats in private. Well, I don't. I haven't got a like, secret stash of pigs in blankets. You, you want to run that by me again? All right, maybe I have. Yeah. But we don't talk about it. Well, we don't talk um, about it. First rule of the secret stash of pigs in blankets. You don't talk about pigs in blankets. First rule of pig in blanket club. You don't talk about pig in blanket club. Uh, should we? You know what? I think we should start a pigs in blanket appreciation society. Oh, no. This is like the Clementine. <laughs> Satsuma? Yeah, I am. I've got a tendency of setting (laughs) up Facebook groups every now and again just for my own amusement. (laughs) And uh, a few years ago, I set up the Satsuma Appreciation Society on Facebook, and it's actually got members. Take a look. (laughs) I mean, I've never ever added anything apart from, I think, one photo of me with Satsuma skin eyebrows because me and mummy were just having a laugh one night um but yeah have a look uh and you may see the pigs in blankets appreciation society on there pretty soon Maybe. can you let we've got into our stride now charlotte it didn't take long <laughs> we, got, we got sidetracked into talking about picking blanket club first rule of picking banking club don't talk about, about Pigs in Blanket Club. Okay, do you want to uh, let people know how they can get in touch um, with us? Twitter, Ola Kindness. Okay. Facebook, you go into the search bar thingy and you just kind of put... Pigs in Blanket Fight Club. Just trying to think of what it is. If it's Hollow Kindness. It's Hollow Kindness. Yeah, and then the email is holla at thekindnessproject.co.uk. And um, this week's question of the podcast, as it's Christmas, is... Are you prepared to join Pigs in Blankets Club? It's only a subscription of £1,250 a year and you get unlimited Pigs in Blankets. Of course, that's not the question. Um, morning! Morning. Uh, Prosecco Queen. Prosecco Queen. <laughs> oh, I think somebody's ready for their first Christmas dinner, don't you? Um, uh, that's Cassie, my wife, by the way, who's uh, come down for a breakfast and found an impromptu recording session of The Kindness Project. <laughs> so um, let me tell you about the question of the podcast, which you can um, uh, email us answers to in. So this week's question of the podcast is, what makes you most proud about your kids, spouse, parents or any other member of your family so last week we were talking about pride in yourself yourself um this week we're talking about what makes you proud about other people Uh, so we look forward to receiving your answers at all the usual channels (laughs) <laughs> are you just going to make some random noises at this point? Yeah. <laughs> yes, ooh, ooh. Ooh. It's, it's the one where you sound like the Churchill dog. Oh, yes. Um, oh, yes. All right, let's move on to kindness news. Yup. Tis the time for another kindness news, my lady. Oh, really, my lady? Tis it medieval... Medieval? Medieval. <laughs> medieval. Tis it medieval edition? No, it's mum edition. <laughs> Is it medieval mum edition? Nope. Just mum? Just mum. Is it Victorian mother edition? Nope. Is it modern, nope. modern mother edition? It's just mums. Mums. Mums, mums are, I, I reckon, 
uh, mums are probably pretty kind. Yeah. Because they need to be, because they're nurturing yeah. by nature. But this aren't isn't they? about most mums. Mums being kind. It's about people keep being kind to mums. Oh, kindness for mums. For mums. Oh, cool. Tell us about that. Right. So the first one um, is about a man. It's called A Man's Touching Act of Kindness to Mother Goes Viral. A man who held a stranger's sleeping baby while the young mother filled out her paperwork in a doctor's waiting room has been praised for his touching act of kindness. Natasha Wilson, who captured the sweet moment in the US state of Alabama, described the incident on Facebook, pointing out the touching act between the white man and the black woman. Racism is still very real in our society today, but this man gave me hope and a sweet memory I'll never forget. According to Miss Wilson's account, the man asked the mother from across the room if she would like him to hold her baby while she filled out her forms. The woman smiled and said that would be great. Once he was holding the baby, the man rocked and loved on the baby like he, he was his, according to Miss Wilson, who posted details of the incident last week. If you know this man, tell him what an amazing person he is, Miss Wilson wrote on Facebook. The man was later identified as Joe Hale and the woman as Jade West. I felt relieved and appreciated at the fact that he wanted to help. He seemed really genuine, West told Good Morning America on Monday. He was talking to him as if he was his own grandchild and had known him his whole life. He was just the sweetest. Mm. Wilson said she wished people would see people for people and not, f- not colour. That's a lot of people in one sentence. <laughs> people for people, not colour. Yeah. <laughs> for a stranger, a white man at that, asking a young black mother if he could hold her baby to help her out. Then the way he loved on that baby like it was his own. It almost puts me to tears every time I think about the love you could see radiate from him. To love that, it. For that, for that. Absolutely love it. I've got one more. I've got one more. Uh, but you know, you know what? Helping somebody out when they're, a, uh, especially a mum of a baby, mm. do something that we take for granted when we haven't got babies around mm. is a really nice thing to do, isn't it? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I think people are quite cautious about offering help to mums because they yeah. don't want to they don't want to seem like they're um, encroaching on that mum's space mm. but um, I certainly I think there's some value in just offering to help and then the mum can say no or not if, if she wants to why are that awesome people helping out mums okay so daughter arrange a surprise act of kindness for her mother with breast cancer okay here are a few more things important. I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be there. Here are a few things more important in life than love and friendship, especially in times of need. Which is why one daughter has gone to extraordinary lengths to bring joy to her mother, who has stage four breast cancer. Evie Lee, age 50, Ellie. Ellie Lee, age 59, was diagnosed with the illness last year. Secretly, her daughter. Way lowly, arranged for a best friend of 40 years, known as Auntie Ling, to travel all the way from Birmingham, I'm assuming it's Alabama, and not Birmingham, from California, for a surprise visit. Auntie Ling, who isn't a blood relation but a close family friend, made the trip using air miles gifted to her by her own son, Kenson, who is saving for a trip to Europe but gave her tickets, gave her the tickets without hesitation. Uh, Wyatt Lowley told Huffington Post UK she wanted to bring happiness to her mum's life following what had been multiple rounds of gruelling chemotherapy. Her and Auntie Lynn met four decades ago as factory girls in Hong Kong, whereas teenagers, teenagers they were working to help their families make ends meet and put food on the table. Uh, Wei Lo also took her mum to Centurion in Greece for a holiday and arranged for another friend, Auntie Lan and her family, to make a surprise visit from 
Hong Kong. They spent three ta- days together in Oxfordshire and the Cotswolds sightseeing. Yeah, Cotswolds. I haven't, we haven't been to the Cotswolds yeah, that much. We need to go to we the Cotswolds. She told HuffPost UK, I've been planning a series, series of surprises for mum ever since she was diagnosed last year, mainly to cheer her up. Help her take her mind off things and create some happy memories. That's not, there's not much I can do other than be there in terms of hospital appointments and be a dutiful daughter. Her brother, Wei Ching Li, also ran the Birmingham Half Marathon in aid of cancer research last year. What a lovely thing to do, and I mm. agree with entirely with that sentiment. If you can't create some memories for your mum, what can you do? Sleep. Or, <laughs> or your dad, if you fancy it, Charlotte. I'll, I'll consider the offer. <laughs> All right, thank you. So last week we had the first part of our interview with Mike Dixon. That was really good, wasn't it? Oh, yep. Um, I don't know why you do the Churchill dog impression every week. Um, uh, But this week we're going to continue to talk to Mike. If you haven't heard the first part of the uh, interview, please go back back in time and take a look at last week's uh, uh, podcast. But we're going to talk about more about uh, Our Generous Gene, which is Mike's new project, and um, uh, get him to answer some of the questions of the podcast. Oh, yup. <laughs> I think the other interesting thing, and, and, and again, you're, we're both lucky to uh, get to talk and think for a living. Mm. Sort of, uh, other people aren't that fortunate, but certainly um, uh, it, it, it's what you learn, isn't it? As you say, you did that conference, not only to set the conference up, but just as an opportunity to listen to people you can learn from. Um, and that's... People want to be listened to, but there's also a lot that people can teach. Um, When I I started um, uh, the Rainmaker Foundation, um, I wrote to Desmond Tutu, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, and asked him to become the patron. Okay. And he agreed. Okay. So that was great. So then he came to London and he gave a talk. And one of his great things was, you know, you can do things that I can't do. Yeah. I can do things that you can't do. So together we can do a lot more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's this yeah. principle of Ubuntu. You know, I I can be the best I can be through you. Well, the, this is. The, I mean, it goes back to the Dawkins thing because because that selfish gene uh, situate uh, sort of uh, argument. I actually think if you if you're if you're if you look at evolution, we achieve more together than we do separately mm. so actually I think the survival of the fittest is about being kinder to each other because mm. people who get to work together and again it's something David Hamilton talks about in his book mm. kindness is contagious because of the fact that we have the opportunity to work together to get more stuff done than being separate mm. so from an evolutionary p- perspective kindness is it should be the kindness gene shouldn't yeah, it it should be yeah, it should be. yeah. And, um, so you know it's kind of it's, it's interesting, I was, you know, just this weekend, I was in the Highlands of Scotland this yeah. week, and we went out on a walk, and park car went out on a walk, came back, drenched. <laughs> it was like completely, utterly soaked. And when we got back to the car park, there were four of us, and there was this car 
in the car park with his window down. Okay. The driver's window down. And the two people I was with, without even thinking about it, they went and got a black plastic bag out of our car and they covered the window. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that the seat wouldn't get wet. And then they left. Yeah, yeah. And that was just like... It's just the right thing to do, isn't it? Nobody's ever going to know. Yeah, yeah. The bloke will come back to the car and say, oh, it's not... not Well, now it's been on the podcast, he might find out. You never know. And you talk in the book about growing your generous gene. If somebody's looking to become more kind, where do they start? Well, they start under... I think you you start from your family and friends and work out. Okay. You go and and find out how everybody is. And you come alongside them and you help them if you can, yeah. if they need help. Yeah. And um, so you start from from your immediate circle of family and friends, find out how they are. Yeah. And you'll find, you know, that they're you know, half of them are ill, the other half have lost their jobs or they're stressed out of their minds about work or their children yeah. have you know, got problems and harming themselves. And, you know, there's a lot of, you, you know already that at least 25% of the population have mental health problems yeah, and yeah, so yeah. there's enough there's enough around so mm. it goes to reason that you know 25% of your friends are going to have mental health yeah, 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 depressed yeah. or something yeah. so I think number one is start from your, start with your family and friends yeah. and then you can get a grip and go out and help other people yeah. and for example in one of my other things um, you know I, I, went, I went to India about, I go to India every now and then I went to India about four years ago and I went to visit a charity that feeds one and a half million children every day with a hot meal at school. Yeah. So this charity was set up by the financial director of Emphasis yeah. and by the head of the Hare Krishnas. Yeah, yeah. And they feed one and a half million children with a hot meal every day, which means that the children go to school. Okay. And means that they grow, which means they learn. Yeah. But to feed one child uh, with a hot meal every day for a year costs seven pounds fifty. So and I've given this and I've done this in talks. Actually, it's kind of interesting. I did a talk with financial advisors one day, and they all came up to about 300 of them at the door. She said, They all came up and said, You know, wonderful, wonderful work you do, wonderful story. What a wonderful story, you know, a really, really inspirational behavior. And then I did it two weeks later to the staff of Google HQ, and they were lolling around, you know. And uh, I did the same story, you know. It, it's £7.50 to feed a child for a year. It's the price of two cappuccinos. And they all came up to me afterwards. All of them were up. They all came up to me and said, that was absolutely inspirational. Where can we find the website? Yeah, 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 yeah. They were, they, they were added. It's yeah. that action, isn't it? That, that, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and that's the really important thing, you know, whether mm. it's covering up a, a window yeah. of a car. Some know. financial advisors and planners are quite generous, are they, like, are sometimes. They, yeah, we're, we're an exception yeah. to the rule. <laughs> well, actually, I do, I know this, because yeah. one of my... <coughs> my own gurus died mm. recently and he started St James's Place. Okay, okay. And, um, you will know this, but then three of them started St James's Place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had sort of three O levels, six O levels between them. Yeah, yeah. But they had one sheet business plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, one sheet of yeah. paper. And the bottom was that all 
partners at St James's Place should give to charities. Mm. There's yeah, yeah. number 11 on the big book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that grew and grew and grew. And Mike, yeah. Mike Wilson's a lovely man, was a lovely man. Mm. Um, so, it's, so I do know that... Um, well, it's really interesting. One of our values as a business is uh, do well, do good. Because mm. I think if you, if you run a business, you've got an obligation to give mm. back. You've been lucky enough to be in a situation where um, you've had the opportunity to, to, to build something... Um, uh, it's got. It, there's got to be a net positive contribution to society, and part of the, the part of this is sort of having the time to do podcasts, and part of it is just seeing what we do. I love it. And Absolutely love it. Neither you or I ever have any idea of the impact we have. So mm. you know, if you if you you're doing this and it's taking part of your work and your blending, you now being somebody else. And you know who knows what impact you're going to have on other people. Yeah, I, I think yeah I've said this before in the podcast. My motivation to do this is to make the kids proud. Um, uh, so I do. I, I, Charlotte isn't here today, but I do it with Charlotte, um, and it's really interesting because she's the most generous person I know. So uh, 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 she hasn't started charities, or, but she's just so. Like I look at every day and go, you've just got such a kind heart. It's incredible. Um, what's your favourite story or stories of generosity? Where do you start? <laughs> thousands of them. Thousands. There's a few in the book as well, right? Yeah, I yeah. think one of my very favourite stories, because it's so personal, I suppose, is that <clears throat> the story of my mother's um, gardener, okay. Terry. So my mother and father lived in a village in Somerset, and they had this gardener called Terry, and he wasn't the best gardener in the world, but he was a local. Okay. And he helped my father with the garden. Then my father died, and then he came up and he did the garden while my mother was there and helped her. And then he, um, and then she got older and older and older, and eventually. Yep. She sort of entered her late 80s and 90s, and she needed help, and she lived alone okay. in this absolutely reasonable little house yeah, in yeah. Somerset Village. Yeah. And um, anyway, Terry, who had now been with us for about 25 years, and you know, hardly ever been out of the village, you know, only to go to win Canton races, every single day, every single day, he went up to make sure my mother was all right in the evening. Love it. And he went up, um, so we paid him to the garden, and he went up and he'd, uh, you know, change the light bulb or put yeah. the television on the right channel, make sure she had a cup of tea or whatever, despite the fact she had carers and so on. He went up every single day until she died, and sometimes twice a day. Mm. And we're talking about four or five years. And during the time this was going on, I said to him, Terry, you know, and so you really must, you know, you're doing more than, you know, you're paid to do. Um, you know, we really must uh, give you some more money. And he refused. He okay. Said, well, no, no, it's all right. It's all right. Mm. That's all right. And, uh, so How old was Terry when your mum was in the well, 50 when she died. Yeah, okay. So he, but for the last five years, he went, he went, went up. And if he wasn't going up, it would it'd be like because he was going to a wedding or something. Gotcha. And, um, you know, we were just staggered by the generosity of a man who 
basically lived in a village. He was, mm. a, the, he was in charge of the cricket team in the local gardens and all the rest of it. And we were just staggered by, the, by his uh, love and his generosity. Yeah, his commitment. This elderly woman as she got older and older and older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and crankier and crankier and crankier. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and um, so I think, and I tell the story because, you know, I'm, I'm awash with more heroic stories, you know, of people who, you know, there's a wonderful woman that we know, we went to um, Bhutan with, who um, has just written a book called The Business Case for Peace, which has 25 ways of creating a more peaceful world in it. Okay. She's been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize four times, I think. She's just wonderful. Mm. She has yeah, yeah, yeah. a privilege to be with her. I'll t- t- tell you what I find interesting, though, that and it goes back to that everyday act of kindness isn't it that mm. thing where just checking on somebody making sure they're alright yeah, making them a cup of tea that can have such an impact on somebody's life mm. um, and um, as you say it's happening every single day so a lot of the a lot of the more ambitious bolder um, uh, acts of kindness are great but people can just do the small things you know I uh, I was talking to somebody the other day and I said that one of the things that I try and do and I embarrass the kids when I do it on the tube is just smile at other people and I haven't been thrown off a tube train yet and I've had no complaints so far but just but just sort of you know just just be happy you know just try and express your and I've tried to persuade the kids to do it and they're not having any of it so it's just me uh, grinning inanely on a tube well, you're probably hoping you'll grow out of it. <laughs> I won't um, so tell me a little bit I know we spoke a little bit about um, portfolio behaviour uh, in the past how do you how do you split your time is it a third a third a third of a year or does it does it work out differently no I mean you know we've planned next year already okay so we know what work we're going to do okay with whom okay and there's a couple more to batten down this yeah this month Mm. and we plan where we're going to go I've planned that I'm going to make a big effort to give more talks about what is the point of view okay so I'll be doing a lot of talks next year and trying to persuade people to be useful yeah um we're traveling um so where are you off to next year? We're going to Australia and New Zealand. Okay. We're going to um, uh, New Zealand. I mean, most of this is sort of because we want to go. Yeah. But when we go, we are able, because of our, our knowledge, to visit NGOs in those countries. And I'm able to give a couple of speeches mm. about the importance of being useful. Yeah, yeah. And, and in Australia, I'll do one, one two individuals, and private individuals and banks, customers, and one to companies, because companies have huge resources. It's not just, when you think about average business, a business, uh, now everybody thinks they should be involved with their communities and doing something useful, but they've got wonderful resources, they've got their people, their knowledge, they're not supposed to be running around painting garden centres, they're supposed to be doing things useful to help people who... Uh, are changing the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so they've got great resources, contacts, networks, suppliers. So that's another one that I'm doing. But basically, um, you know, and it's uh, 
one major trip a year and a few other ones, and then working with interest, we're doing another uh, futures conference next year. Okay. But we're also doing one for young people. Yeah, yeah. And also starting a philanthropy service for someone. So okay. There's a lot. Going a lot on, going on. But yeah. It's, but it's all enjoyable. Yeah. Give, give or take the odd stress. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And we are we are usually working almost always with people we like. Yeah, which is, you know, it's that if you're sort of doing what you love, you never work a day in your life, sort mm. of theory, isn't it? It's not on my question list, but I'm curious. Um, what's the most unusual answer to the question, what's the point of view you've ever had? What is the point of view? Yeah. So when, because I'm thinking about that question, thinking, I, I'm, I'm not convinced I'd have a, I'm not convinced I'd have a really definitive answer because I think it changes for me. Well, of course, the answer is that it does change. Okay. And that most people have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And because most people, you know, we're here as in the talk. Uh, you know, we're here for roughly 80 years, if we're lucky, uh, active and mobile. Yeah. Uh, 26 years we spend asleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 15 years we spend learning how to go to school. And yeah. So actually our... our the amount of time. The amount yeah. of time we actually have to leave a legacy, uh, yeah. Stephen Covey's thing, you know, what is the point of life? Uh, to live, which is to look after your immediate needs and uh, um, mm. living and find shelter and all that. To love, which yeah. is the need to love other people and be loved. To learn, which is the, the need to learn, keep learning and not close down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And finally to leave a legacy. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, this is the point of giving the talk, is to say to people actually, you know, the of life is not necessarily to build a career selling frozen food. Yeah, yeah. And never mind armaments and God knows what else. Yeah, yeah. Or even run a tech company. The purpose yeah. of life is to get a grip and contribute to society mm, yeah, and yeah. try and help people who are less fortunate than yourself and or protect the environment. Yeah, yeah, you know, in other yeah. words, you have other things to do yeah, for what yeah. you're doing at the moment. So in answer to your question, when they when you say what is the point of view most people haven't got a clue. Gotcha, gotcha. But they've Unless they are, to be fair, their work is heavily aligned with their purpose. Yeah, like yeah. they run an NGO that's gotcha. helping homeless people. Yeah. Or they're um, a doctor. Hmm. Or yeah, a heart yeah. surgeon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, they're, where their purpose is aligned with something that's useful. Yeah, a yeah. teacher. Yeah, yeah. Something then they sort of know what they're about. Mm, and that's yeah. why they chose to do it. Yeah. I wonder how many people actually ask themselves the question. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if a lot of people do or not. Because uh, mm. I'm assuming a lot of people don't until it's, you know, until they're later in their life. I, d I don't know. It's interesting. Um, let's talk technology. So we talked about the future before and we talked about the, uh, the changing world that we live in. Do you think technology is a force for good or do you think it depends on how people use it what are your thoughts around using te 
uh, communication tools that we that, you know that, we're, that we've got now uh, and podcasts and and web and uh, do, do you think that's genuinely a positive force or do you think it's used for uh, for negative reasons too this is a day when Facebook just lost three billion they did they did but on a more serious note yeah. I mean yesterday also that young woman got up on an aeroplane and uh, saw that Swedish lady yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's been viewed by six million people yeah, yeah, yeah. so is it a positive can it can it be a positive force for good of course I mean, yeah. you know, it's uh, you can find out people who are trashing the planet within 30 seconds yeah you know? yeah, yeah and you can gather campaigns to stop people doing it and whether it's indigenous tribes or whatever so i've never so, thought about that with that freedom of data freedom of the ability to get information about any organization or any individual is quite interesting isn't it seeing their impacts the good news is that we can do it the bad news is so can the security yeah yeah, yeah, that's true that's true so we're being watched but it does work you know so for example i can't i can't remember but you know ministers now get brought down within 12 hours yeah yeah because they're found out sending sex messages to yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, it's all it's like a much more dangerous world for people to operate in yeah in our space so can it be a good source for good I think definitely can can it be a source for bad obviously yeah we all know that yeah but either way it doesn't work without the human content yeah yeah yeah. it needs to be personal I can go on Facebook and say how are you Chris yeah yeah. or I can ring you up yeah or I can come and see you yeah yeah and you can tell me you're having a miserable time and I can give you a hug yeah yeah that's proper behaviour yeah it's the personal side as well as as that I completely agree with that Um, and you mentioned we talked about media before how do we what what was our first step into having a bit more of a positive as opposed to negative media relationship you think why how can we how can we get the media to tell better stories <laughs> is the question in my head at the minute <laughs> I think we need to go and uh, see Paul Dacre <laughs> for him to say you're joking or, I wouldn't or, sell, or, sell or as much or advertising you could, or you could start shaming people with the Daily Mail Maybe. Yeah. See, so this is the interesting thing, isn't it? But they're all as bad as each other. I mean, they're all they're all I mean, they're shocking. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I when I so I I I get inspired by those acts of sort of seeing those acts of kindness. Um, but the the reality of it is the the loudest voices shout negative news more than more than positive news. But yeah, it's a it's an interesting challenge. So. Um, thank you for that. We'll find out a little bit about where people can find you in a minute. But before we do that, we have on the podcast, we have a, a non-kindness-related question of the podcast we ask our listeners every week. Um, uh, and I just want to, just want to, uh, we're curious people, I just want to ask you a couple of non-kindness-related questions. <laughs> um, so first one is, let me give you, uh, let me give you a flavour. If you could be any character from one of your favourite books, who would you choose? Wow. Um, well, I mean, <clears throat> it, would ha- it would have to be Desert Island Dick's behaviour, being William Shakespeare. Okay. Pretty amazing. Okay, that would be good. Yeah. Um, 
Would you pick a Shakespeare character or would you be Shakespeare himself? Shakespeare. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that would be pretty good. One of the things I always do with Charlotte is every year we're going we're going Saturday, funny enough, is we go to the Globe, um, and we always get the stand standing seats because I think that's probably as close to authentic you're gonna you're gonna watch it. And I love the experience of going to the Globe. Um, next question: What's the best use of an egg? What's the best use of an egg? Is it? I can give you a few options. Yeah, if, no, well, um, so is it an omelette? Can't find a friend. Uh, you, no, you, you could if you want, but uh, is it an omelette? Is it boiled or is it Cadbury's creamed or is it something else? Um, it would be. It would definitely be scrambled. Scrambled egg. Would you have toast? Or mushrooms or toast? Yeah. Mushroom sounds good. Mushroom sounds good. That sounds good. Um, what's the most inspiring movie you've ever seen? Um, I Daniel Blake. See, I I love that film. Um, uh, uh, and I I knew it. I knew it wasn't going to end optimistically. Um, what, what, why, why did you find it so inspiring? Because it's completely true. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. I've gotcha. been there, and we, as an organisation, have supported charities working, a particular charity in the North East Sydney, yeah. helping people who are on the back end of this sort of behaviour. Yeah. And victims of domestic violence and gang violence yeah. and so on. So <clears throat> helping a charity in Liverpool is to looking after, if you like, the, the people who've been left behind. And it is shocking. Mm. And, and quite often um, their lives are made more miserable on purpose by right. various governments cutting the services. What do you do about that? Do you think people people in those in those government departments do it intentionally or is it part of the system? It's all done intentionally. Okay. At one stage, one of one of our um, one of the lot we supported and worked on a very housing so very, very underprivileged people. Um, you know, the people in social services, this has stopped now, but they were given bonuses for how many people yeah, turned out. Yeah, the, the incentives are wrong, aren't they? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, yeah. Um, the reason why I don't agree was one of the most inspiring things mm. is because it was true. And I, yeah, mean, yeah. I, I actually made all our clients go and see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. It wasn't, you know, he, he made it. You know, the the you know, died. Yeah. And the woman was on the game. Yeah. It's just, and yeah. the thing is, I mean, I would seriously recommend that anybody go and see it because it's um, it just happens to be the way that um, millions of people in this country live in. Yeah. So it inspires to action, right? You, you, yeah. You're outraged. And, yeah. And, you know, what we do before I my other, my other general knowledge questions, we, as an organisation, we always look for heroes who are doing wonderful things, whether it's whatever it is all over the world, and we support the heroes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I don't know enough about indigenous tribes in the Amazon, or trafficking, or yeah. refugees, or poverty, or I don't. Mm. But I know people who do, and it's our job to support them. 
Okay, going back to the identity Blake thing, just interested. What do we do to change that culture? That culture of caring about people who need the support of the state. What do you do about that? Or is you, it, it you support it, you, you, you um, try and explain to people who need it, you know, social events that actually is real poverty in this country mm. and it's true. Yeah. And that people are, you know, victims of domestic violence yeah. and don't have enough food and yeah, all that. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. And then you find people and you find people who are helping people and you go and help them. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that. Yeah, yeah, you just take the action. Um, if you could sing one song perfectly, what song would you choose? Um, I suspect it would probably, if I could sing as one song perfectly, it would probably be something from Fred Astaire, I suspect. Okay, okay, good choice. That, that one, you know, pick yourself up, dust yourself down and start from over there. Okay. Well, there's the other one, isn't it? When you join the Navy to see the world, when you see this, when you see it. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big Fred Astaire fan, to be honest with you, so uh, your knowledge of the of the uh, Fred Astaire songbook is good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little bit younger, a little bit younger. What's your favourite work of art? Um, I suppose um, Pieta, I suppose, probably. Okay. Um, Mary and the Child. So it's a red, my country, I think. Yeah, love it. Absolutely love it. Um, I'm off to it. I'm off to Italy um, uh, uh, later this month, <clears throat> and um, I wasn't going to go to Milan, um, so we're just down the road from Milan. Um, but the um, uh, the Last Supper's in Milan, and yeah. actually, mm-hmm. I'm sort of I'm tempted now. I saw um, my favourite work of art is um, Starry Night by Van Gogh. I was in New York last year, and I got to see it for the for the first time. I got so close, Mike. The security guard decided to slowly move me away. <laughs> so you're not meant to be that so that close, sir. And um, last question. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, uh, and uh, my last uh, question. What's your favourite piece of trivia? My favourite piece of trivia. Well, I mean, I suppose. I can't actually identify it, but it must be football related. Okay. It must okay. be football related. So, for my sins, I support Fulham. Okay. And, you know, it's however many players they buy or sell or however much. I mean, it must. It is. It's. Okay. My my um my only piece of football related trivia is uh, my wife's family live in Arbroath on the east coast of Scotland. And um Arbroath's ground is the closest ground called Gayfield and it's the closest ground to the sea in the entire country. It's literally on the beach. That's my piece of of Scottish second league football related trivia. Oh yes, Arbroath Smoke is absolutely gorgeous. They have a they have a sea festival every year. Um and it's some of the fresh, freshest seafood I've ever had. It's mm. 
it's it's lovely. Um, thanks for joining us as a, as a guest on the podcast, Mike. It's been brilliant. I've learned loads. Um, can you tell our listeners where they can find a little bit more about you? Yes, well, we've got a website, which cool. is basically a cover, but it's um, www.ourgenerousgene.com. Okay. That's the, uh, that, and then you can find the book on there, or you can find it on Amazon. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you get inspired to do something useful, want any help, send an email. Cool. Thank you very much. I've really enjoyed it. No, it's good fun. Yeah, see what happens. So, that was the last part, part of uh, Mike Dixon's interview. interview. So that was really good, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, cool. You want to do your Churchill dog in Bridget again? Oh, yup. Here's the end. <laughs> the end is nigh. <laughs> the end is nigh. Forsooth, my, my liege. The end is nigh. Um, how are you doing? I'm tired. I know, it's still early, isn't it? Still way too early. But we are nearly at the end. But as you know, the end is never the end. The end is merely the beginning of the end because we have got to do. Last week's question, this week, last week, this week. Okay, and last week's question was, what are you particularly proud of? What's the personal achievement you're particularly proud of? Um, And you're looking really weirdly. Why are you looking really weirdly? Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. It's a tough one. Um, but we did have some answers. And uh, John Cook uh, wrote in, friend of the show. Um, it's all from all our feedback this week has been from friend of the show. Um, John Cook said, Success, successfully training and building a working partnership with a guide dog. Nice. That's good. Roberta Wyatt said coming third as Businesswoman of the Year in 1989. The Land Before Time, 1989. Yeah, I mean, well, that was a film by Dinosaur. <laughs> it is. That's when, I, that's when, uh, that's when your mum-in-law opened her business. Um, uh, competition was run by a woman magazine. Why are you looking at me like that? Mum-in-law, your mum-in-law. I know, gran for you. Um, uh, Russell said, my bit... Our esteemed editor, who likes to beat us with sticks. Um, uh, uh, Russell said, my biggest achievement this year is probably the kindness project. Getting out on a weekly basis has been hard at times, but we've done it week in, week out. Fist bump. Yes. Yes, boom. Um, And the biggest achievement before that was losing eight stone he lost for an operation. Eight stone. That is a lot, isn't it? That's a child. <laughs> he lost child. a child for his operation. <laughs> that is, that is. So a, you're going to have to, as you go, have to lose your child to have this operation. Uh, that's done. A, <laughs> 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 we are sacrificing your child for the operation. And Heidi Ball said, uh, successfully raising a human that I'm amazingly proud of. <laughs> well, I can say the same thing actually. I'm. I think that might be my greatest chil- uh, achievement. Success. <laughs> Uh, a, chi- a children. I, I might lose a child, but I'm successfully proud of raising the child. <laughs> um, so that, my friends, as it's still super early, and as Russell Dames, uh, you know what's weird, right? Early morning podcasting. I could get into. Ugh. No, you're not no. feeling it. Maybe like, maybe like eight in the morning. 
eight in the morning podcasting, but not Seven, not not six. not too early. Um, I think we got into it quite quickly though, and I don't think it's the worst episode we've ever had. I don't know if that's a high hurdle to be honest. I think the worst one we ever had was when we were so sleep deprived we kept talking about Barry and Beryl. Oh, that was super funny. Know, that's one like, of my favourite episodes. I know too many too many Barry and Beryls. Um, anyway, on that note. Tis finally the end. Tis finally the end. Have a lovely week and we'll see you next week. Bye.